The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. First Chronicles chapter 4, I'd like you to stand with me this morning, and I'm going to read two short verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer. First Chronicles chapter 4, look with me if you would in verse number 9. The Bible says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou mightest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And let's read this next clause, the final verses the final words of verse 10 together, the Bible says, and God granted him that which he requested. The title of my message is An Unexpected Biography. Let's pray. Father, this morning, thank you for the services we have enjoyed in this convocation. Thank you for the working of your Spirit in each of our hearts. We pray that we'll never forget what we saw, what we experienced, and the stirring we had in each of our lives. Bless this morning as we look in an obscure chapter at an unexpected biography and speak to each of our hearts. Through the life of Jabez, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We all like stories. If you think back on your mealtimes since you've gotten back from Christmas, think about the conversation you've had with your friends, students. You know what a lot of it comes down to? Stories. If I asked you today, would you rather see a movie or watch a documentary, most of you would say, uh, Dr. Much, I really prefer a movie. I don't exactly know why, but I'll tell you why. We all enjoy a good story. I don't know if you've thought about it, but our evangelist, our pastor, Dr. Baldwin, what he preached on were great stories of the Bible. Get on the boat. Whoa, what a great story. The older brother of the prodigal son of the Gospel of Luke, another great story. And last night, oh, what a classic message that we'll never forget about the analogy, the comparison with the master of the days of slavery in the Old Testament and our Lord Jesus Christ who allows us to serve Him in freedom. Oh, my, we love stories. Dr. Baldwin wove into the messages, I'm sure you caught this, his own story. Salvation at the age of four. 
called to preach at the age of nine, heart burdened and stirred to preach to teenagers at the age of 16, and all that has unfolded since that time, what a great personal story interwoven with the stories of the Bible. Do you know why we meet for chapel? We meet to look into the pages of the Word of God and to take the principles of Scripture and to have them woven into your lives, into where you are in this present hour. We come in First Chronicles to a book that is not, if we're honest, our easiest book to read in our read through the Bible plan. It's called Chronicles because it's basically a book of genealogies. We are unfolding to this point in Chronicles the genealogies of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when we come to First Chronicles 4, we suddenly embark on a gem of a story. Oh, the life of Jabez has had no, no small proliferation of books written about it. In fact, some believe it's like a, a, a spiritual rabbit's foot to uh, stick in your heart, stick in your Bible, and so to speak, uh, uh, follow it, and you'll have good luck. Hey, it's nothing of the kind. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us in reference to the stories of the Old Testament that these were written, were recorded in the Word of God for our admonition. The Bible says in that chapter, for our example. Students, this morning, as you embark on a new semester at Pensacola Christian College, as you embark on a new calendar year of your lives, I believe that Jabez's story in the pages of Holy Writ gives us three ways that he provides an example for you students to follow. Notice with me, number one, that he is an example of forgetting the verdict of men. Forgetting the verdict of men. The Bible says in verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Now, some of you have the habit when you read a book, you, you like to jump to the end of the book and, and, and read the final pages of the last chapter. But uh, yeah, here's what ends up happening. We get the end of the story at the beginning. The Bible says he was more honorable than his brethren. But I tell you, he had a lot of obstacles to overcome because instead of giving in a name that brought dignity and respect to him, his mother, in a day in which names were very, very important, gave him a name that brought reproach to him. The Bible says his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. Do you know what Jabez means? Pain. Oh, Dr. Rushing. Let's get the team together here and play volleyball. Hey, hey, let's pick teams. Who wants pain in the neck on their team? Woo. I don't know. Have any of you ever struggled with your name? 
When I was a younger boy, I, I didn't like my name Greg. I just didn't like it. I really didn't like the name much. All kinds of things set up that you can say about much. I didn't like my name, but uh, I, I quickly found out it, it would have been uh, quite a challenge to change my name. But we live in a time in which uh, none of you know what Greg means. None of you know what much means. It's a German name, much. But, but, but let me tell you, in the Bible days, wow, they knew exactly what the name meant. It meant sorrow. Maybe they called him sorry. We don't know why. We only know the what. We don't know why mom gave him the name. It says she buried him with sorrow. Maybe it's a reference to the pregnancy. Maybe she struggled. Maybe it had something to do, as, as Jabez, as First Chronicles here, it's the days of the judges. And so it's a dark, dark day in the nation of Israel. Maybe she called him that because of, of the darkness spiritually that pervaded the, the, the nation. Maybe she lost her husband at that time. Maybe there were other siblings, and uh, they didn't turn out the, the, the way she expected, and she was, uh, so to speak, in a low moment, and she had Jabez, and she gave him the name. We, we, we don't know why, but we know the what. The name was a reproach. It undoubtedly caused him heartache. But you know what? He overcame it, because obviously... He failed, or excuse me, he refused to be a victim to those who'd hold him captive to his name. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. There are temptations that come to us at different ages. I remember years ago hearing Dr. Frank Garlog talk about this, and I was a much younger guy. And uh, I, I just remember him talking about the fact that, that when you're younger, certain temptations come your way. When you get older, there are a whole different set of temptations that come. I remember him saying, when you get older and you've walked with God for a while, and you've lived the Christian life for a while, that it's just easy to get up in the morning and do things on your own and be self-sufficient because you've lived so many years that you think it's all going to be okay. But students, let me talk to you for a moment about one of the difficult temptations of being a college student on a wonderful campus like PCC. Comparison. You know, the Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. You guys are setting out in life. In the next few years, you'll be settled in your occupations. 
In the next few years, God's going to take you, spread you out all across America and all across the world. And you're going to be in all kinds of walks of life. Some of you are going to go into the ministry. Some of you are going to go into business. Some of you are going to become doctors and attorneys. And uh, in my brief time back here, I've talked with those who are looking forward to taking the MCAT and becoming physicians. I've talked to those who are looking forward uh, this spring to taking the LSAT and becoming attorneys. Some of you are uh, excited about becoming youth pastors. Others of you are excited about going to destinations around the globe as missionaries. But in that process of preparing, if you're not careful, there's something that can happen on a campus like this. You get looking at others and their personalities and their giftings and their opportunities, and you end up comparing yourself with them. And you reach wrong conclusions. Some of you say, Dr. Munch, God's called me into the ministry. But I get on this campus and I find out that there are families. In fact, some of them, their dads come and preach here and their granddads come and preach here. And man, they're well-known names on the campus. And I, 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 I'm just a young guy. I'm just a young lady. And, and, and I'm not known, but this is what I think God wants me to do. Don't compare yourself. Don't get taken into the prison. Of the verdict of man. When they unveiled the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., if you've ever been there, you're going to understand this description. If you've not been there, I, I, I encourage you. If you've not been to our capital and been to the monuments, you must do it. But when you go to the Vietnam Memorial, it's encompassed in gravity and silence. As people stand, and look at this very simple wall, simple but profound. 48,000 names etched in the wall. But when they unveiled it, 14 names. Were etched in the wall and declared to be dead, and they were alive. One of those men's name was Eugene Tony. He described going to see the, the, the Vietnam Memorial for the very first time and going up and standing there and, and, and putting his hand, his fingers, rubbing them over the letters of his name, Eugene Tony, and declared to be dead dead and declared to be memorialized on that spot when he got in his car and drove away and was very much alive. And you remember as you go through life that there'll be no shortage of people to be the judge and jury of your life and where you're headed. And you just remember that you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. And regardless of what people say, God has a plan if you'll let him faithfully fulfill it. Jabez is an example, first of all, of how we should forget the verdict of man. But he's an example, secondly, of how we should focus on a vision of God. We have the opportunity, students, to crawl with him into the prayer closet. And look at his prayer. 
He prayed, first of all, that God would bless him. And Jabez, verse 10, called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. The Bible says, Proverbs 10 and verse 22, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Third John 2, this verse always convicts me when I read it, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Your Bible teachers are teaching you about a movement that for decades has been encompassing the globe theologically. It's called the health and wealth gospel. And what that gospel teaches, what they're teaching, it's not taught in the Scriptures, is that basically if if you do certain things, then God's going to make you healthy, you're not going to get sick, and God's going to make you wealthy. Neither are found in Scripture. I was talking with our evangelist about his bout with COVID. He's had a phenomenally challenging journey with COVID. But you know what he said to me? He said, Dr. Munch, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. Why? Because through it all, he's seen the blessing of God. Even though it meant walking the valley of affliction. Jabez prays, oh God, that thou wouldest bless me. Had nothing to do with filling his bank account. Had nothing to do with giving him good health. It had everything to do with God, let me be in the center of your will and let me get up every day and know what you'd have me to do and walk with you obediently, step by step, day by day, year by year, knowing that I am exactly For you as my creator want me to be. Young person, do you want God to bless you in direct proportion to where you are spiritually? Wow. That's what 3 John says. What a challenge. He prayed not only, God, will you bless me? But secondly, he asked God to use him. He said, enlarge my coast. Now, this is in the days past Joshua. They're in the days of the judges. But guess what? The conquest of the land is not complete. They're still plagued by the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Canaanites. And as many have said, the electric lights. I mean, they are, they're having difficulties. He's not saying, God, give me a bigger house. He's not saying, God, give me another nicer car. He's saying, God, let me obediently follow you, knowing that you want this victory of your people in the land, and let me be a part in my life of advancing your cause for his glory. Oh, how we've been challenged these days. 
to take our desires and meld them together with God's. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That doesn't mean that if you want a Lamborghini, God's going to give it to you. You know what it means? It means that you say, God, I want to serve you. I want to delight in you. I want to advance your kingdom. If it's it's at home being a homeschool mother, so be it. If it's being an office administrator, so be it. If it means being a missionary, so be it. If it means being a businessman, so be it. If it means being an accountant, so be it. If it means being a nurse, so be it. I want to enlarge the work of God. Wow. He said, God, bless me. God, use me. But he had a third aspect of the prayer. He said, Lord, direct me, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. He said, Lord, direct me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding." In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I heard a Christian attorney use those verses in a meeting sometime back. And he said, where we get off track most of the time is we want to lean on our own understanding. When I walk with my wife, put my arm around her. And as we walk together, coming in and out of the building, whatever it may be, hey, I just, with my hand, I just sort of push her on the back, tap her on the back, and we walk together. You know what this is a picture of? The Bible says Enoch walked with God. The Bible says Noah walked with God. Boy. It's a picture of them walking along hand in hand. He says, God, bless me. God, use me. He says, God, let your hand be on me. Said of Ezra multiple times, and Ezra and Nehemiah, that the good hand of the Lord was upon him. Through history, biblically, and extra-biblically, we see people who are like you and like me. You say, boy, it was great to see the way the Lord used Dr. Kenny Baldwin. Dr. Munch, you don't understand. I come from a home with single parents. I just don't have that kind of vision for how God can use me. Well, students, you're in good company in the Bible. <laughs> a man named Moses said, I can't talk. 
And God said, what's in your hand? And he said, just a rod, Lord. And he said, throw the rod down. And he threw the rod down. And while the waters parted and the nation of Israel crossed on the Red Sea. God said, what's in your hand? When an angel showed up and said, that thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, what are you talking about, Lord? You got the wrong email address. You've come to the wrong guy. And he said, what's in your hand? He said, just a lamp, Lord. He said, take that lamp and that crowd of 300. And he defeated the Midianites. God said, what's in your hand? And a little shepherd boy, when his brothers looked at him and the older brother said, you can't do anything. What are you doing down here at the front lines? And that little... Uh, that young man, teenager David, said, oh, is there not a cause? God said, what's in your hand? And he said, just a stone, Lord, just a stone. But he said, put that stone, put that, and send it in the air. It hit that giant, and he killed him. God said, what's in your hand? And a man in a Bedford prison said, Lord, I don't think there's any way you can use me here. And God said, take that pen and begin to write. And, 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 and John Bunyan penned the greatest book that's ever been written, many say, outside of the word of God, Pilgrim's Progress. God said to Martin Luther, what's in your hand? And Martin Luther said, just some papers, Lord. And God said, nail those papers to the door of the Roman Catholic Church. And he did. And the Reformation began. Student, I ask you, not just what is your vision for the future, what is your vision for this semester? Get outside your comfort zone. Get active in your collegian. Get out on Christian service. Audition to be in the play. Look through the activities. And let this be a place that God stretches you. Gives you vision of how he can use you. He's an example, all right. Jabez is an example of the fact that we need to forget the verdict of men. We need to focus on the vision of God. But number three, we need to face the vulnerability of self. He says, oh, that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me, Many times, we quote the words about this. They roll off our tongue. Matthew 6, <clears throat> what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. You know it. <clears throat> quote it with me this morning. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now here it is. Quote it with me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the and the power and the glory forever. Last night, I was sitting over here in the loge when our president, Dr. Shoemaker, got up 
made the opening comments. And then he prayed. I love to listen to people pray. But in his prayer, he said this, Lord, we all sin. I thought, wow. That's transparency. As this hush fell across the crowd, I thought, wow, Lord. It's so true. Student, you know what we need to pray every day? Keep us from evil. As a pastor, when things would happen, and there'd be sin, things would come out. As soon as a person asked forgiveness, it was forgiven. But you know where my heart always went out to individuals and went out to families? For the grief, the heartache that followed. Yeah, we're we're sinners. So you know what we need to do? We need to pray. As did the psalmist in Psalm 19, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Students, we stand on the cusp of a new semester. God wants to do great things in your life and bring things during these weeks into your lives that you cannot anticipate. The Bible says, through the life of Jabez, forget the verdict of men. Regardless of what baggage you brought back, shed it. Focus on a vision of God. Face the vulnerability of self and ask God to keep us from evil. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.